everybody. Welcome to episode 64 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam. He's Dave, and hopefully you know that by now. Yes. I mean, if not, it's not that big of a deal. But No. That, that is how we start every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? Um, you know, it's kind of one of those uh, life um, is life, and it's... Uh, I've found I'm a little bit dry in my relationship with Jesus and my time of seeking him. Not really. It's, I, it's just one of those times. It's just, I think we all have them. And um, I intend to get up in the morning to spend time with him. And next thing I know, it's 6.30. And <laughs> I guess, have what, I'm, guess what I'm doing at 6.30, Dave? <laughs> I have half an hour to... <laughs> do everything that needs to be done before yeah. I go to work. So, but yeah. yeah, so I mean, I'm doing well, but to be candid and honest, um sometimes it's uh feels a little stagnant right now in my relationship with God and it doesn't even feel like work. It's more just I'm kind of in one of those eh. <laughs> Spend just, time with God. It's eh. not you, it's me. Yeah, I need some space. Eh. So, but yeah. I, you know, I have never, ever been good about spending time with God in the morning. Like, I feel like if there's any time that I shouldn't spend with <laughs> it's him, the morning. it's then. Because I'm just, I'm just an idiot in the morning. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not a morning person. And I realize that I need to, you know, make it a priority to spend time with God and all that stuff. But. And you'll, you, I've read just blog posts and and there's books about how spending time with God in the morning is the best way to do it. And I'm just like, I kind of want to say, screw you to those people. Like, <laughs> why does it have to be in the morning? Start your day off the Jesus way, you know. Uh, I just, I've never, I've never been good at it. I've never had a desire to want to do it in the morning. It it is a struggle to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is sleep more. I would agree with that. Like all I want, it's all I want to do. My alarm goes off, and I'm like, well, I could get up, or I could just sleep all day, and then just be like, sorry, my <laughs> alarm didn't work. And so, I get what you're saying about the feeling like you're not in a good spot with with your relationship with God, but it's just like part of me. Whenever people say that they're not getting up and spending time with God first thing in the morning, I'm like, D- the Bible doesn't say that's when you have to do it. Because, I mean, I don't know. I have I have a new appreciation for liturgy. Maybe not liturgy. What's it? Well, the 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 daily offices. The what is that called? Where it's you read a prayer instead of doing your own prayer and. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a liturgy. Is that liturgy? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just it's a form I, like, of it, yeah. I, I, I'm in a place right now where I'm like, oh, this is why they came up with this stuff. Because I don't feel like doing it. But um, I can't even remember what website I use. But I literally go to a website that has like the daily offices. Mm-hmm. And some of it is audio and some of it is reading. And I just, I read some of it. And in the midst of it, I'm like, I know that this is... I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to sort of a thing. But there is that element of, I I do have that sense of God shows up. Like there's that, yeah, you know, and so I get it. It's like, I don't have to think about it. I can just read what's on the paper. And at some point I usually find myself getting to a place of going, I want this. I agree with this. I can say I'm sincere in this. And I used to poo poo that to be candid. Well, and I think (laughs) there's this, Especially like in the world that me and you come from, mm-hmm. having been in ministry, having grown up in the church, like I, I, I have experienced more good and bad church stuff in my first twenty years of life than most people do their whole lives, and that's not to brag. It's just that my parents both worked for the church, and I saw the ups and I saw oh, yeah. the absolute pits of what can go wrong when it becomes about your ego and not about Jesus. Um, and so like, I'm already a little bit jaded towards 
um, super Christians, if I can label <laughs> folks that, uh, like, you can't have a normal conversation with them without everything being, like, Christianized. There's a, there's a comedian, and I'll try and find the video for the show notes. His name's Michael Jr. He was at the Global Leadership Summit. Uh, this is kind of like an in-between speakers, like, that was some serious, like, like leader bingo that just happened. We need to spruce it up a bit. And, and he's got a bit on, he's, he calls them people that are oversaved or too saved. And he's like, man, I can't find my keys. Dude, you need the keys to the kingdom. He goes, I don't drive a kingdom. I drive a Honda. Like, <laughs> or some, some variation of that joke. And I'll try and find that bit for the, cause he's a funny guy. Uh, but also very intelligent, and he had a really good way of um, taking his jokes towards a purpose, you know, about what we were talking about. Um, but just just growing up, I promise there's a point to all of this. Um, growing up around, you know, what I grew up around, and, and then going to a Christian college. Yeah. And then being a youth pastor, and you just, you're exposed to a lot of the BS and a lot of the one-upsmanship that goes on inside the church of, mm-hmm. you know, how many Bible studies you attend or, oh, look at me, I bring my Greek New Testament to church on Sundays. And I think some of that, if not most of it, comes from a good place of people just genuinely want to learn more and they want to be proactive in that sort of stuff. But I have to believe and. I think it's good that things like the daily offices and prepared liturgies exist because there are times when you're exhausted and you don't want to open your, all you want to do is sleep, but having, you know, something, having a pre-cooked meal essentially Mm -hmm. to save you, at least it gets you in the word, you know, a pre-cooked meal may not be fine dining, but it gets you fed. It gets what you, it gets you what you need to get through the next couple of hours, right? It's not, it it is, it is necessary nutrients, but it is not, you know, a custom luxurious experience, like perhaps translating the Greek would be, but having that, like my wife is going, uh, I see it every morning. She leaves it on the kitchen table, which I think is like her subtle reminder of like, (laughs) come on, you slacker. But she's going through my utmost for my utmost for his highest. Is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and she just Cambridge. and she leaves it on the kitchen table, so when she sits down and eats breakfast, she just reads it. I also don't eat breakfast, so maybe that's another problem I need to fix. Um, but to your point, like I don't think it's a bad thing at all that those things exist and that they get used because they are tools, like you said, to help God show up when all we can all we can ba- bring ourselves to do is flip open a page. And most of the time, I can't even do that. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm busy. I I got sleep and. You know, Game of Thrones is on, so well, not anymore. Oh, it was the season finale, wasn't it? Yeah, the one before it was better than the finale. I thought. Well, you know, <laughs> but that's kind of the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, we just changed subjects so bad. <laughs> but that's my right. my point to all of that was, like you said, you used to poo poo that stuff, and I did too when I was an immature. Just like, yeah, well, because look at me, I'm making four lessons a week to teach my young people all about the word and let me get my, you know, and that's just like, you know, is, is there good in that? Of course. Do we need people that are doing the work? Yes. Should we be encouraged by those people to spend time in the word studying? Yes. Are there times where you need a pre-cooked meal? Yeah, definitely. And you know, why not enjoy and be take benefit from another wise person's study. Uh, you know? Yes. Sorry, that was way longer than I anticipated. That was good. I just... One of the things that I'm currently navigating is for uh, work, and I have to be very, very vague here for <laughs> professional reasons, one of the clients that the company I work for has is a large church with Pentecostal tendencies. And doing the work that we do, we get an inside view 
into a lot of how this place is run. Sure. And one of the things that I struggle with as a Christian and as someone who has a job is when those two worlds collide and all I feel is jaded about what's going on. <laughs> uh, and I, re- I really wish I could give more details, but I respect the professional right. confidentiality we have, and I respect having a job, and I don't want to get fired for saying anything more than, than I should. But what I'm struggling with is this the, the facade that we present, not even just this church, most Christians present to the world in, in all of the, you know, the Bible talk we spew, and, and then you get to the inside and you realize the motivations for those things, or the inaccuracies in those things, or the just completely screwed up theology behind those things that lead towards those actions. It's, it's just, it's something that I'm... I'm working through right now and I I'm, like I'm already I'm already too jaded. Like I'm 29 and I'm already more jaded than I should be. <laughs> and you know, uh I hope any of that makes cuz I realize like there's a bunch of details in my brain that I can't share that would no, make that makes that. sense. Cuz cuz even with what you're saying um the verse that we're going to discuss today actually created some of that sort of in me as I was thinking about it of there's just to me there's a lot of um i i guess i'll i'll put it to this this way for me i feel like we make non essentials essential and we forget about what really matters we minor in the majors we major in the minors <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say we major in the minors so anyway all right before we get into the verse or move on your comedian guy reminded me of a really bad joke really like Good bad joke no, or really, bad bad joke? Like a no, not dirty bad joke, but just a uh, kind of bad joke. Well, that's what I meant. I would yeah. have said dirty if okay. <laughs> you know me, Dave. Come on. Okay. So, what kind of a car did the apostles drive? What kind of car did the okay? Hold on. I'm gonna give it a good ten seconds before. <laughs> what kind of car did the apostles drive? I'm, I'm mad that I, I don't even have a comeback. That that makes me upset. Really. My wit has totally let me down. Your wit has let you down. Oh, they drive a, a Honda. Because according to Acts 2.11, they were all in one accord. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a good bad joke. I thought so. That's a good bad <laughs> that's joke. A good... <laughs> so, here's my theory. There's no such thing as a bad pun. Only underappreciated ones. Underappreciated puns. That's two-thirds a pun. All... Yeah, you. I, you heard my reaction. I never heard that joke before. That's good. That's. I wish most church signs were that good, because most of them aren't. I drive by one every day on my way to work. And uh, is this the one asking if you're tired, or the donkey and the elephant have let you down? No, no. <laughs> See again, church and state should be separate. Um, because turn to the lamb. If the elephant oh and the donkey gosh. have let you down. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Go ahead. What sign do you go by every day? Uh, it's St. Francis of Overland Park, maybe. I don't know. Um, anyways, it's because of all the construction that's going on in that part of the city that just they don't want me to get to work. But last week's was aspire to inspire before you expire. Yeah. <laughs> try reading that luckily it's right by a stop sign so i actually can read it um this week's is not good the one two weeks ago was really good and i'm drawing an absolute blank on it but it was a pretty punny joke and i was like oh this guy's got skills then it's been downhill ever since like this one's a quote from god kind of like a don't make me come down there but it's not that silly sorry i thought i remember what the joke was but i have led us astray Yet again. I think we're good. All right. Well. So no follow-up? Um, no. 
That was, just... to, that was meant to sound more sad than aggressive. Sorry. <laughs> oh, just two sorry people in the basement talking on the microphones. Yeah. At least we're not in our mom's basement. <sighs> no, that is true. <laughs> Listening to our heavy metal records. Yeah. I dealt with that guy today. Oh, really? Yes. It's unfortunate. Yes, he was crying by the time we got done, so. I'm starting to think my spiritual gift is making people cry. Is that, is that, yes, my is that, is my that possible? <laughs> my I, spiritual I cannot, gift is crushing their souls. I cannot tell you how many people have cried during a conversation with me over the last couple of weeks. And I'm literally like going, God, is there a reason why? Everybody I talk to starts crying. I mean, because it's not just, I mean, it's, it's literally like everybody that I talk to. None of, nobody in my family, but. Well, and you do live with, with three women and a, and a young boy, so. Yes. But no, it hasn't been my house. Like, and it's, and it's like been... are they weeping because you're revealing truth about their life, or are you just crushing them? Uh, most of the time, I'm not saying anything. Like, I've really had this, like, time period of where God has just told me to shut up. So I've just shut so up. you're their therapy, essentially. They just, literally. Literally, they I'm like their out. therapy. And I've just started literally just saying, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, and then what? Okay, mm-hmm. And giving no feedback. And before I know it, people are crying in front of me because it's my spiritual gift. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I, I like like literally. I, it, it's kind of and I, I don't know how many times I've said literally today because yeah, my chill fif- out there. My fifteen, my fifteen year old says literally all the time. Literally, stop. But <laughs> I use it correctly, even well, though I'm overusing it. I will. I will re-listen to this and, and critique your use of my literally. use of literally. You mean figuratively? So. No, literally. <laughs> everybody, not everybody. So that's that's the hyperbole there. The hyperbole? Hyperbole. The epitome of hyperbole? <laughs> well, maybe we should uh, read the Bible and get back on track. We could do that. I mean, this is a fun, a fun thing we're on here, but people don't listen. I don't know. I don't know what people listen for. Or if they even listen. Or if they, oh, I, people listen, Dave. We, we have, have downloads. Yes, we have downloads. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. You're lovely, all of you. All right, so no follow-up. We've beat our intro to death. Uh, no, we just made it cry. We made it cry. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. That is correct. Are we still recording? Yeah, we're Are still you? recording. Okay. I thought you kind of gave me the, we're going to take a break kind of. Uh, I mean, we, we can take a break after you read, or we can take a break now. Either way, our they will never know. They'll never know because I will make a cut as skilled as a surgeon. Gotcha. Do you want to read the verse? <sighs> I'm kind of nervous now. All right. <clears throat> Hear ye the word of the Lord from the <laughs> English Standard Version. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. All right. Very nice. Good job there, Cam. Thanks. So... Looking at verses 15, 16, and 17, uh, to me, this is a very clear sort of how you deal with uh, somebody that has sinned against you. And I guess my question is, is, do we do this? And if we do do this, do we do it 
well? Do we do it the way it should be done in terms of confronting um, a brother or sister in Christ who has sinned against us? I do this with my wife. And it's usually me going back and going, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to say it that way. That was never my intention. Um, and, and we are good with confrontation, me and her. Mm-hmm. Never been an issue for us, thankfully. Um, but honestly, I'm trying to remember... A situation where someone has done something like this to me that required such a scenario. Um, the only thing I can remotely compare to this within the last year, and partially this is because I spend, I'm not social. Right. You know, <laughs> and my wife was like, so wait, you have a podcast network and you vlog, but like you don't hang out with anyone. <laughs> no, shh, no yeah I, yeah i do <laughs> so basically your wife is asking you do you have any real friends pretty much she's like you're not even social why you you you're on twitter all the time and i was just like okay you caught me this is like you know it's like dave is my friend and i have other friends that i see but um i mean and she was right you know but um she always i asked her the other day i was like do you ever get sick of always being right like, does that just ever just get like, do you ever want to be wrong just to see how it feels? <laughs> no, apparently not. That means I picked a good one, Dave. That means yes. I picked a good one. Yes. Um, but anyways, so about a year ago, 10 months ago, um, we were helping out with a church plant in uh, where we live. and. I had noticed a few small red flags that um, had just caught my eye. And I, you know, wanted to give the benefit of the doubt and some time just to see. And when it became apparent to me that there were things um, that weren't right, um, I decided that we were done because I, I just don't have time or energy um, or money or any of that to contribute to something that I know is not what it says it is. And so when I tried to talk to this person, I was met with, hey, sorry, I'm at work, can't talk right now, going to be gone for the weekend, how about we talk next time? Okay, so I called back again, got a very similar response, um, at which point I just said, fine, have a nice life, you know, try not to have hard feelings, uh, feel like I've moved on from it, but even in my attempts to explain, to go to this person one-on-one, not a bad person, I think genuinely believed and probably still does that they're doing the right thing and they're going about it the right way. Um, I've got no ill will towards him. Um, but in my attempts to have that one-on-one conversation, just stonewalled. I mean, even to the point where they said, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, let's talk in a few days. And I have never heard from them ever again in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, because if you've put it out there, hey, we need to talk. Twice. <laughs> and they don't have a, they can't do, they can't meet the time, I didn't even want to meet. Whatever. I just wanted a five-minute phone conversation. Okay, so fi- phone conversation. To me, I guess I'm with you in that you've put it out there. You let them know this is where I'm at. You've twice told me you can't do this. Do you really, are you required to do it again? Because there's kind of that element of they clearly know you've extended this sort of, I want to have this conversation. You haven't been able to do it. Yeah, no, I did not go back with two or three other people, and I didn't take it to the church. Um, but I was, I was just so, frankly, I was pissed off. And I'm sure I talked to you about this mm. when it w- was happening uh, in private, much more in detail. Um, 
but it it just really when you get rebuffed like that when you're trying to do the right thing it just sucks because you're like what the what the crap dude like seriously um now granted i did not go back because it wasn't like anything egregious was going on right there's nothing illegal there was nothing immoral it was just signs that i saw that were leading to bigger problems down the road about how things were going that i did not i was not in a position where i wanted to commit myself to something i knew was flawed for very basic reasons and when you know so it wasn't like there was no money laundering like it, everything was above board except for just a few of we say this but we do this type of stuff and mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. And uh, so, but uh, to sum all that up, like that's the, the closest I've come to a situation like this in a while. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I tend to vet people pretty heavily mm-hmm. before I let them get to a point where this could happen. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. And, and I guess there's just, <clears throat> you know, there's, it says, if your brother sins against you, and I guess when I really think about all the things I complain about or grumble about or whatever, I'm, I, I, I'm in the same category as you of, hmm, thinking when it comes down to it, those are probably few and far between. And I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, well, I, I, but I think to say somebody sinned against me, is a pretty strong. Yeah, like I don't feel like this is like someone took your parking spot at Walmart or someone even crashed into your car. Like this is like personal, like betrayal type mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, you know, like I'm sh- I I make my wife mad every once in a while. She makes me mad, right? That's not sinning against me. Like that's just living together and having personalities that occasionally disagree on things, right? Doesn't mean we don't love each other. Doesn't mean that we're still not. It just means that we just had a rough day, right? But that's, I don't feel like she's sinning against me if she makes me mad. It's just that's just part of the way it goes. Like back to our conversation earlier about sometimes you go through dry patches where you're just like, it is what it is. I still love you. I'm still committed to you. But right now, like, why don't you go watch TV in the other room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I think to your point, this someone sinning against you, like that, has to be a that's much deeper and much more um, personal and long-lasting potential conflict or, or hurt. Mm-hmm. And the people that can do that to me in my life right. are not a lot. Right. And I trust those people. Yeah. Well, and, that's, and then I guess there's sort of the... The next step for me is, is okay, if somebody does sin against me, I personally am probably not very likely to go to that person and tell them their fault between that person, between me and them alone. I mean, that's the first thing. I have a tendency to go tell somebody else what so-and-so did to me and try to get them on board with... Get them on your side so you've yeah. got some leverage, yeah. So... So that's, you know, I just think, wow, not very good at going to that person and addressing the issue with them. I go tell somebody else and try to gain allies. And instead of going to that person like I should, which I guess that's even kind of the second piece to me, is I bet, well, my experience is when I have gone to another about a way that I feel like I'm going to use this term for me because I'm more comfortable with it. When I feel like somebody has wronged me, uh, maybe not so much sinned against me, and maybe that's one in the same, I don't know. Uh, and I've gone to that person. I can't think of a time where we've had a conversation, but like the, the conversation actually happened. I approached them, they were receptive, we talked about it, and it was resolved. Like, I personally cannot think of a time where 
it then would have, for me, had to have gone to that next step of taking two or three others with me to confront that person. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this story, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> Again, with vagaries. Um, so when I was a freshman in high school, the church that I had attended my entire life, that my mother had worked for, um, that, I mean, I had grown up in, I had been baptized in, I had, I mean, the youth group is, that my freshman year there is probably the reason I'm still a Christian today. I I hated church in middle school. I was that kid in youth group that every youth pastor just wants to crush always making comments just because I hated being there. And it was, it was at no fault of, of that youth pastor or the church. It was just, I was an idiot 12 year old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I was smarter than everybody else. Um, and so it got to the point that my parents said in, you know, ninth grade, you have to go to a youth group. I forget what the time period was for one month, two months, you have to go for this amount of time, and if at the end of that you still hate it, then fine, you don't have to go, but you still have to go to church on Sundays. And that was like the, that was the make peace in the house decision because I had been so awful about it for so long, and I went and as, you know, just this really awkward freshman, these upperclassmen guys in my small group took me under their wing and we started, we played ultimate Frisbee. We had small group. Like we did, we just did everything together during the summer mm-hmm. because that's what we had plenty of time to do. And, um, it was because of those guys that I stayed and it was because I stayed for that year that I was able to get through what happened at the end of that year, which was a massive three-way church split. Mm-hmm. My mom got fired. A bunch of the other pastors got fired, including the head pastor, who's the guy that married me to my wife. And I had known since I was, I think I was in church like the second Sunday I was alive. So just crazy amounts of history. Um, I knew that building inside out. I knew it was a big church and I knew most of the people in it. And, you know, in a matter of two weeks, I went from being on the youth group leadership team, meeting with the youth pastor regularly, to he wouldn't even talk to me because I was on the wrong side of the split. And um, out of that came a massive church meeting to try and expose all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on. And I remember we made it a point as a youth group to show up to this adults-only meeting saying, we're part of this church too. We're sitting in on this. And of course they serve communion at it to try and make it peaceful. Um, (laughs) But I remember sitting in, we, of course, because teenagers, we sat in the back naturally. Um, And I remember a, couple standing up that I knew, I knew their kids, saying that they approached the senior pastor, who was one of the people, he was the main focus of this inquest, and they said that they approached him using a Matthew 18 model, and he wanted nothing to do with it, and he yelled at us, and all this other stuff, and so I've always been a bit reticent of this model because it always brings me back to all of that garbage the my mom getting fired the phone calls the meetings the not knowing where we're going to go to church the i can only talk to one other human being on the entire planet about this the senior pastor's daughter who is my same age um so this passage brings back all of those memories and and the the Matthew 18 model to me is like those people standing up in the sanctuary saying, we approached the pastor about this and we did this and he, you know, and so I'm like, even reading this, I'm just like, it brings back <laughs> so much uh, anger and bitterness because it was all a bunch of BS. And the good news out of all of that is that 
from that one church that split three ways in a super, super, super nasty split. By the way, all the elders that did all the firing all resigned and left the church afterwards. They're like, have fun cleaning this up. Um, I shouldn't say all, most of them. Um, But out of that, that church has recovered and grown and is doing great work in that same community. And then two other churches were planted out of that, um, that are doing, well, I only know about one of them. Um, I don't know if the third one is still around, but out of that, God was still able to take one church and multiply it against his own will (laughs) in the city and bring, you know, the gospel and the good news to different parts of the city. That original church never would have met because of what was going on. So, I don't know. It's just, when I read this passage, I think of something of that gravity and not mm-hmm. necessarily of, of you know, my best friend doing something mean to me. And I don't mean to trivialize it like that because oh, no. I know there are a lot of people where that reality of their best friend portraying them in some sort of way is so present right now and is so emotionally um, painful that it's on the same level as what I went through when I was, you know, 14. Um, and so I'm trying to remember that as we discuss this, that it doesn't have to be this massive scale that includes 1,500 people for, for this to be a struggle. This only requires you and one other person, mm-hmm. which can have more of a effect on your life than what I went through. Because if it's one-on-one you can do some serious damage if you're not careful. Which is frightening to think about. Oh, yeah. That one-on-one, you know, which is one of the reasons I, you know, I'm not social. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I think that's that's really uh, central to what we're talking about here is... um, Verses 15, 16, 17, and even 18, um, is, is, is we're talking about church discipline here, um, the context of believers, and like you said, whether it be literally hundreds of people, or it be two, um, I think it does rise to the level of something serious going on and the issue having to be addressed um not so much because our feelings are hurt or or whatever but there's there's truly a um going against what God has called us to and has has ordained us to and um i don't know i i i my experience has been we're not good at this and that uh, not going to say that there's it, it, we're never good at it, but generally speaking, I think you see splits, you see people go their separate ways instead of really doing the hard work and doing what needs to be done. Um, well, and you brought up a term that didn't even cross my mind, but as soon as you said it, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I did church discipline. Like, it, does that even still exist? Or people just kind of like, oh, you don't like that? Fine, I'm going to go to the church across the street. You know, and the whole idea of, of church shopping, and, and, and I don't want to go down a giant. I feel like we should talk about this on a different episode because I'm feeling the juices flowing. Well, and that's, I, I guess I'm kind of the same way, too, of just, yeah. And, yeah, so the the, the idea of church discipline to me, like, is it biblical? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Most definitely. Does it happen? I assume it does somewhere. But I'm trying to choose my words very carefully here. So I I have not experienced it. And and that's that's even as being on a church staff. Uh-huh. Like I, I can't think of when it was done, and it was done appropriately. Well, no one wants to offend, or no, 
and that that simplifies it. I, I understand that, but sitting in on elders meetings for multiple years, having parents that were elders and had elders meetings at our house, uh, seeing the inner workings of the church as a kid and as an adult and as as a pastor, it just the tiptoeing around sensitive issues is frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I understand the complexity of people. I, at least I I think I understand it. Um, but it's people are broken and even people that are pastors and elders are broken and dealing with brokenness is incredibly hard because no matter who you are, you bring your bias and your junk to the table. And a lot of times that bias and junk wants to do whatever it can to protect yourself. Um, when in reality you need to, to go for it. So yeah, I, I think we need to, we need to have a specific church episodes because I, I think me and you have lots to discuss about why church, how church, and yeah, because, all the inner workings. Because the other piece for me is is, um, and this is this is kind of one of the things that personally I've just been sort of studying, and I even asked my daughter about it earlier tonight. Is when does the church? What is our role in terms of judging others when it comes to being Christians? Um, and, you can't judge me. That's not allowed. <laughs> exactly. But you can. But you can. I know. And 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 here's the thing. I I I think there's an I, I well, and we can get in this more down another place. I think Christians are too busy judging people they have no business judging because they're outside the church and that's easy and we can do it and it's maybe even a little bit fun. Um but then when it comes to ourselves internally mm -hmm. we don't do it very well and it's not about uh, well i'll just i'll say this one statement it's not about um simply pointing fingers it's not about making myself feel better because some i'm you know i can judge another person it's being obedient and true to who christ calls the church to be and really taking a hard look at who we are and where we're at, and do we need to be addressing some of the internal pieces as a church and quit focusing so much on the external that God really tells us we have no business <laughs> focusing on. Yeah, all right. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to do a few, because <laughs> the list in my head is already growing. Yeah, well, you know me. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> so verse 18 yeah thank you God. truly <laughs> I say to you whatever you bind on earth and shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven uh, I think again one of the things that came when I talk about is what's the context uh, as we look at these verses what we're talking about here is we're talking about uh, church discipline and so um, this is really not about um, uh, I think people I, it, my experience has been that this is one of those verses that gets misused. It, this is not talking about sickness, health and wealth, and demons. Thank what, you. <laughs> what this is talking about is um, if someone in the church sins and they repent, they are be loosed, or in other words, restored to their fellowship. Uh, those who are unrepentant are to be bound and removed from fellowship. And again, different show for a different time. <laughs> uh, I believe as Christians, we really like to to focus on the rest of the world and not ourselves. So, yeah, and this this is tricky. Um, by the way, that was a great explanation of that verse, like very succinct. Because I was like, "How are we going to even?" <laughs> so, well done to you, sir. Um, I think the tricky part comes in. Like scripture tells us what to do in this instance, but it doesn't say how we should go about it. 
in right. the like, how do you have this conversation with somebody? Uh, and and I think that is the the rub here is that I I genuine genuinely believe that pastors and church staffs and elders that love Jesus desire to do this. I think they are scared of how to do it. If, you know, because so often, especially where we live, because Westboro Baptist is not very far away, Mm -hmm. we see the wrong way to do this. There's an example for us right there. And with all of the, uh, we want to be loving and we want, we want to be the nice guys, right? How do you how do you have this conversation with somebody and say, you know what? Until this changes, you can't be a part of our fellowship. Without in in today's like we mentioned social media earlier, whether it was on air or while we were talking of if we kick someone out of the church because they're having an extramarital affair and they refuse to repent of it, they just go on blast on Facebook and tell everyone how this church is full of haters and you know, they kicked me Hypocrites out because exactly. Because... And then just like that, because you did the right thing, you're painted in a poor light in the community, which I realize is a terrible reason to not do something mm-hmm. because you're not trusting in God whatsoever in the situation. But I can see how that conflict, you know, I, there was a couple of situations when I was uh, a youth pastor that, I knew that people were trying to manipulate me. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a young kid, I mean, I say kid seriously. I was 23, 24, 25. Like, you know, you're an adult by law, but not by experience at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, you know, you've been through more than I have, which if you have, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, that whole being nice, but being stern, and and how do you follow the hard parts of what Jesus tells you to do? And it's, yeah, that that's difficult, because we so want to, like, I mean, I don't know what your experience was growing up, but growing up in the 90s, in, the, you know, the church that I, it's all about being nice. And Jesus was a nice guy, and... You read this stuff and you're like, dude, what Bible are you reading? Like he's he calls people to the carpet to their face in front of everybody in the village with no problem. And and we have to word these very, very vague statements about same sex marriage because we don't want to offend anybody. I get that it's difficult. I appreciate the difficultness of it, but I mean, this is straightforward. If someone sins against you, go to them. Mm-hmm. If they don't listen, go back with more people. If they don't listen, take it in front of the church. If they don't listen, see you later. Yeah. I just... Is there grace involved in that? Yes. But there is a certain... Um, urgency is not the right word that I'm looking for here. Uh, seriousness, perhaps. Yeah. Like just because it's uncomfortable does not mean that you should not follow through on dealing with because Jesus is not saying this is not a witch hunt. This is someone has sinned against you. You guys need to reconcile and get it fixed because you're already fighting an uphill battle against the world. And if you can't trust each other, and if you can't rely on each other, and if you can't forgive each other, how are you supposed to do that to the people that don't know me yet? Yeah, and that's, again, I I think we just have, we're confused about the way we behave with other believers and the way we behave with non-believers. I I think we, we we get those confused. I get those confused. The people that I've done church with get those confused. Um, and yeah, and I, I just you know I know we've said it before, but Cam and I just come before you as 
we're we're trying to figure this out. <laughs> we don't oh, for sure. Usually have all the answers and, and are not trying to point fingers, but No, I have I have lots of ideas and I have lots <laughs> of flaws. They they tend to, you know, come together. Yes. Yes. So um before we move on, you mentioned Westboro Baptist Church. I'm sorry. That's all right. Uh, just make me so angry. Well, I put their web page. No, no. At the bottom of the show notes. Oh, <laughs> David. We're gonna the NSA. So, is, the NSA is so, now listening so to our podcast. If if you put the show notes on there, so I guess if you go to the show notes and you see a, a website that on initial, what it, do you know what it is? I'm not even gonna say it. I'm, it's terrible. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's awful. It's in the show notes, and it is awful. Can so, I please put a we do not in any way, yes. shape, or form endorse these idiots that claim to be? Yes. Okay, fine. But I do think we need to put that in the show notes. I don't even want to link to it. That gives them... <sighs> this is... Dave, you have sinned against me. <laughs> <laughs> but I put it out there because, again, in my opinion, this is the extreme, but it's the church judging those who are outside the church. When they have no business, and and I use have... that I use that term church Thank air you. quotes very loosely. Thank you. Oh my gosh! But I, but here's the thing: it, it, as much as I hate it, and as much as I, there's an element of okay, let's hold a mirror up to ourselves and let's look at this, because while we never nobody wants to be what Westboro Baptist is, or at least anybody in their right mind never wants to be what Westboro Baptist is. I think there's an element of holding a mirror up and asking ourselves, in what way do we do exactly what this church is doing? But we're a little bit more, I'm not going to, I don't know, sneaky. <laughs> we're a little bit more polished polished in how we present this versus the way they do it. That's a, a, incredibly offensive for on so many levels for so many reasons. So it is, I, I, I'm going to ask that Cam does put it on there and anybody who desires to go see what, kind of hate uh they spew and i i will just tell you as a law enforcement officer in kansas i have had firsthand conversations with these people and they are complete idiots and i've also had to defend their first amendment rights when they've stood on the street corners and proclaimed their hate and it's just like you see people want to go up and like just sock them in the face, and you have to be like, "Nope, sorry, gotta defend the, gotta defend the First Amendment." Is America go. great? Yes. So, all right. Should we talk about the last verse? We have nineteen and twenty, right? Yes, the last two. I apologize. Two, so, sure. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I there am I among them. I ha- I have no idea what verse nineteen means. It doesn't seem like English to me. <laughs> and why is that? Okay, so I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, that's not English. Who's they? Mm-hmm. They just comes out of nowhere. Is they the two people? If so, the ESV has failed me for the first time. So I'm assuming if two of you agree on earth about something that you, that that those two ask, it will be, so like Dave, me and you right now, let's ask for Porsches. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we get Porsches in heaven? Uh, I'm going to say no. I don't, I just, I I struggle and I, I realize I'm being a bit pedantic right now. Right. And, and making oversimplifying it but it just everything else about this makes sense to me for the most part obviously i have you know Mm -hmm. more to learn but this one verse to me is just like i don't it just seems so odd and i'm clearly missing something well and i'm going to go back to what our earlier my earlier comments were of what's the context and again i think the context here is church discipline and somebody that sinned against somebody we're talking about loosing in in heaven uh binding in heaven and so there's this element if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven and so i don't think it's 
two people coming together, just saying, like you said, well, we want Porsches, so give us Porsches. Uh, I think the context is dealing with uh, sin within the church and dealing with somebody that has behaved in a way that um, is probably um, inappropriate, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, let's see, I did actually Google this, and there was a, a phrase that came up that I thought was an appropriate way to say this, and I don't know if I can quickly find this now that we're here. Um, hmm. Now I don't see it right offhand. But the law of agreement um, is not so much that God is obligated um, to answer a request because there are two of us there, but I think it's this element of we're dealing with a complex situation of uh, somebody in the church that has sinned, that is doing something that they're not supposed to do, and there's at least two of us going, all right, this needs to be addressed. We agree that this is not appropriate behavior. This is not appropriate for a person to behave this way. We've gone to them. We've approached them about it, and they're still choosing not to change. And so now we are coming before the Lord sort of on their behalf to say, God, show us. We, we are asking for your truth to, to, to be revealed to us. And I think that's what he's talking about here of, if you've really reached this place in terms of church discipline, um, somebody's behavior that is sinful, and you are sincerely looking for an answer, I'm going to show up there for you. Um, and I think on that, that final verse, it even says if two or three, um, what does it say? For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Um, I see verse 19 and verse 20 as being about, we are coming before you, Lord, with a difficult situation, and we're asking for you to give us wisdom and guidance, and um, God's going to show up when we sincerely ask him for, how do we handle this difficult situation? Give us clarity, and he will give clarity. Uh, it's not about asking for Porsches. It's not asking about um, somebody in the American League Central winning the World Series or, you know. The Minnesota Twins is not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. It, it is not about making me feel cushy or comfortable or mm -hmm. giving me the, the nice things that I want because I want to be, you know, pampered. It's, it is about God mm -hmm. and what is right and what is true. And God is luckily for us good enough to know what's best for us. So me and you can sit here and, and pray for Porsches all day long. Although I think, between the two of us, we wouldn't waste our money on Porsches. We'd go for something a little bit better. <laughs> uh, but God is is smart enough and wise enough to know what we're gathering for and if it honors him or not. And I can put a Jesus fish on my car and a John 316 license plate, on, license plate on it, but if it's about me going fast, then that's not the point, right? Yes. Uh, Melissa and I used to live in uh, Brookside, Missouri. And uh, our next door neighbor was a, uh, a food critic for a local newspaper. And he had a fish on his Dodge Neon. And I remember Melissa and I going, oh, you have a fish on your car, and you must be a Christian. And he revealed to us that he put it on there for good luck because he had totaled two of his previous cars and figured that the ichthys fish would bring him good luck. <laughs> and so, yes, oh, Melissa right. and I, as a young married couple, excited to find a Christian neighbor, just sort of were 
For good luck. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's magical. Yes. And we loved our neighbor. He was a good guy. But I'm not so sure that his ichthus fish has represented his love for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end. Yeah. I think we're about an hour. <laughs> We'll find out. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm terrible at guessing how long these go. But it's been a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed this. It was, it was a good, good night. Indeed. Yep. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next time. Yes. Bye. Bye.